This is War Room Moments, the show that takes you around the world to share interviews with some of the most successful and most relevant people on the planet, hear their stories, and get the most important business lessons they have learned on their road to success, and get exclusive advice on how to implement their success into your life and business. War Room Moments is brought to you by the Strategic Advisor Board. Here's your host, Jason Miller. Hey, welcome to today's episode of War Room Moments. My name is Jason Miller, your podcast host, and today I have Heidi with us today. Heidi, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you for having me, Jason. Awesome. Well, hey, I do a really bad job of introducing people, so I'm going to let you introduce yourself. So introduce yourself to the audience and tell the audience what your superpower is. Well, I'm Heidi Glenz. I am the owner of Science to Wellbeing, and my superpower is being able to help people uncover their values and be able to decide how they want to better fulfill their lives through those values. We actually believe that people have two sets of values, your core values and your acquired values, and sometimes those acquired values get a little sticky, and whether or not they're serving you and bringing you fulfillment is really our mission how do we help you understand that and decide what you want to do with that? Yeah, what mama and dada, daddy taught you, right? <laughs> <laughs> or your generation. Uh, or, or your generation, culture, yeah. Or the organization you're in. <laughs> yeah, true, true. I often think about, you know, you think about your whole life, right? You know, you, you might be, depending on your situation, family situation, but like our kids are five and three, right? And they've been at home with us since they've been born, basically. I mean, they went to preschool and all that stuff. But, but you know, then you think about, because you've got to influence their values the whole time, right? And now you're going to put them in school and you don't really for sure hundred percent know what values are getting introduced to them, right? In that school environment. So it's, it's a very interesting conversation to talk about values. I was in the military for 23 years. The values there were, were probably a lot different than what most people live by. Right. Um, but I, I'm, I'm interested to really get your take on what you see from that uh, that that standpoint of values and leveraging that massive education that you have. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, acquired values are really interesting because first and foremost, uh, we don't believe that any values are bad. There are true p- principles that exist behind every value. The real struggle is when you start to distort it. It starts to become a caricature of itself or you start to exhibit obsessive behaviors around a certain value that really start to dominate your life and they crowd out those things that feel more natural, more intrinsic or um, it's part of your psychological DNA, if you will. But you're listening to all of these external messages and you start to internalize them to the point where they're not serving you. They're not really creating a healthy, happy fulfillment. You're doing it because you have to. I should. 
I should be doing this. I should be doing that. And so that's where the danger comes in. It's not that the principle still isn't true, that there isn't some nugget of truth there. It's that we have taken it and twisted it with some messaging that hasn't really served us in a, in a great way. For instance, my previous career was as a project manager for, um, I was in the nuclear industry. Safety is is paramount in everything that we do. It's it's a fundamental value of any organization in the nuclear industry because we want to make sure that the public feels safe with the technology, and it makes a lot of sense. What happens though is people start to take that to the nth degree. So instead of creating a product that's safe, but also efficient and viable. They put safety as paramount and then it it raises the cost of everything and it makes it much more difficult to get it out into the public. And in some ways, I think it has the opposite effect in that because we have to spend so much money to make it safe, it seems less safe. So it gets just a little bit distorted on the back end. It's not that the principle isn't well-founded. It's just how far do you take this particular principle? For me, it showed up as um, security. Everything I did growing up, um, why I went to college, why I went to the nuclear industry was around safety. My first job, I was so excited. It was super secure. It was never going to go anywhere. <laughs> <laughs> and, and I realized at one point that that wasn't really serving me anymore. I was choosing jobs or choosing money or choosing the things that were more safe and secure instead of going after those things that felt more natural and genuine to myself and would really help me feel that fulfillment and achieve the security that I wanted. Yeah. It's an interesting conversation in the times we are right with technology, how plugged in we are, all these things. And how do you view that? How do you how do you navigate? How, how would you tell people to navigate all of that while still keeping a core value with all of this noise constantly every day? I mean, we we all get it, right? So it's how we how do we deal with it? How do we compartmentalize it? How do we how do we how do we figure out value based things that are uh, that should fit our values. Maybe they're on the fringe of it, you know, right? I'm interested in, in, in your take on that. Well, I do think that we live in interesting times because in the past, we've acquired our values from first our parents and then sort of our, you know, our peer groups going to school and, and those things going on in the world that were starting to influence our generation and, and the culture that we were raised in. Nowadays, cultures are getting much more homogenized, right? The, the, the generations are much more homogenized. Mm. It used to be when we talked about generations, we typically, typically were talking about Western generations. Now that's not true. We're becoming much more global in that. So there's a lot more influence on different aspects that, that can start to create acquired values for you. And I do think social media become can become sort of an echo chamber, depending on who you're looking for, for guidance, who's influencing your thought patterns, what you're listening to. 
And sometimes the algorithms actually reinforce that behavior, because if you like one thing, it's going to send you more of the same thing that you like, Mm. instead Mm. of sort of diversify your points of view. So it becomes very easy to get caught up in the the trap of likes, I would say, where (laughs) if I just act this way, or if I internalize this message, everyone's going to like me. Well, everyone who happens to be in this close group that you're in, but you're not seeing outside of that bubble either. So I do think between, you know, we, we consume media all day long now. Um, it used to be you just got advertisements when you watched TV or, you know, drove down the street and saw a billboard or guess radio mm-hmm. too. But now you're on the internet, every website, there's an ad. So this, we have to be very diligent and looking at what are these influences and starting to ask yourself the questions is this true for me? Is this how I think that value should be represented? Does this actually lift me up and fulfill me in a way that is is supporting long-term happiness? Or am I just getting those quick hits of dopamine? And this takes some self-awareness. Unfortunately for young people, they haven't had enough experience or time even to just sort out what is my core values and what what is starting to to bed these messages in my mind. And even some adults have never really taken the time to really sit back and think about what was really important to me and what did I just sort of pick up along the way. So that's really the first step, asking yourself, okay, how in my gut, in my body, in my psyche, how does this true principle work for me? And does it? And if it doesn't, Do I need to find a different way to embody that principle that does fit better for me? And another real key indicator that you've picked up some sort of acquired value would be when you start talking about shoulds. Anytime that tape starts playing in your head that says, I Hmm. should be this, I should be that, uh, I should be on Instagram, I should be better looking, I should be... (laughs) more more diverse I should be whatever it is anytime there's a should that starts to pop up for you that's a really good indicator that you've picked something up that's external because when it comes from your core value it's not a should it just is your core values don't go anywhere they might get pushed back and you know have to wait to emerge but they don't have to be that loud noisy mind chatter they don't have to be that tape in your head because they're they're part of you. They're not going anywhere. Yeah. I wonder often if, well, now that, you know, uh, this makes total sense, right? And it gets my brain housing group and gear spinning in my head. Um, how do, how do you, what is the connection between values in today's, self gratification instant self gratification right cuz you see a lot of it right it is i can tell you just like my kids watch uh youtube very educational things on youtube right but as soon as a commercial comes on oh my god the freaking world is going to melt down it's like <laughs> it was right in the middle of a sentence and it's like a volcano just exploded and, and all you hear is dad, skip, 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 you know, 
Well, when I was a kid, I was my dad's remote. (laughs) (laughs) So I was the remote. I was the guy that go got a beer for him. I was all that, right? So, you know, looking at how do those things correlate today to the values of society that we have? I think this, first of all, first of all, let's go back to brain chemistry. Because in your brain, you have several chemicals. You have oxytocin, you have dopamine, and you have serotonin. Those are the the big ones. You also have um, adrenaline and endorphins. But the three ones that really impact sort of your day-to-day behaviors tend to be oxytocin, serotonin, and dopamine. So dopamine is a quick hit. If you eat a piece of chocolate, if you do drugs, if you have a drink, if you... Mm -hmm watch a video that really resonates with you and you're like, yes, I get it, or makes you laugh, you get that little hit of dopamine. And I think what's happening a lot with social media, in my opinion, is that we're becoming dopamine addicts. And that's part of the skip. No, I I don't have time for that. I got to get past it. I got to get to my next little hit of dopamine. And if you look at, you know, there's a whole science behind like casinos, for example, slot machines, they use a lot of the the science and the neuroscience behind how slot machines get people to continually engage in social media. They've adopted a lot of this technology to keep you coming back for more. They want you to continually want that next hit of dopamine, that further further engage, get more engagement, move on, hit a like, hit a share, do all of these things, see how many people are following you. All of that is really encouraging this sort of your next hit of dopamine, if you will. That being said, when you it's it's easy for you to start to acquire and a value because it feels really good in the moment. Dopamine feels great and it feels easy. And it feels like I'm doing I'm on the right path because it's sort of this little sense of euphoria. That's a really good indicator of an acquired value eat also. When it's easier to go along to get along, when it is sort of this sense of gratification, there's probably something underlying that that you're starting to acquire. Your core values are what lead to lifelong fulfillment, and they actually give you more serotonin in your brain, which serotonin is the chemical responsible for when you feel proud of yourself or you feel proud of your children. Though that's, that's that hit of serotonin that you're getting. When you do something for somebody else and you connect with somebody, you can also get that, that serotonin. And when you act out of your core value, you're going to get more of that. Now that doesn't mean it's easy at the moment. So this is why it's easy to get mixed up, because when you're acting out of your core values, it might be hard. It might actually take energy. You may be exhausted and you're not really in the mood to have to do this one more thing. But it's worth it in the long run. When you look back over your life at the things that were super easy and you got that instant gratification, you don't get that recurring sense of excitement that high wears off. But when you look back at the things that you did that really were meaningful to you, no matter how hard they were at the time, you deal, you feel good about yourself. You feel that motivation come back. You want to do it again, even though it's not going to be easy. 
that that's very enlightening what you just for you that's an everyday thing but for the rest of us out here that hear all this connectability of these things it's pretty darn enlightening when you start looking at your day and going that was just me 30 minutes ago right <laughs> so <laughs> so it helps you kind of start to to put the puzzle pieces together. Um, and I got to tell you, that's uh, this podcast for me has been, it's been huge from the sense that I get, I get to have discussions with people like you that are experts in your field and you get to shed these light on these things. It's, it's like being at a doctor's office all day almost, <laughs> right. And getting these shots of, really great information and and like and then looking back on your day and going huh boy you know Heidi talked about that earlier today <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> so now you're forever stuck in my brain <laughs> good I'm glad it's a good earworm to be I think <laughs> yeah for sure um well, gosh, that, that was like really, really good information. And if in the audience, you didn't catch all that gold, well, you just weren't freaking paying attention because that was very enlightening for me. Um, uh, obviously just because the questions are, were kind of loaded for my own self a little bit. Um, <laughs> so, so thank you for that. Um, and you know, to kind of transition this thing is, you know, I, one of my major missions is to help, you know, startup companies. And I love to help startup companies. They, they're, they're horrible clients for us, um, because of their life cycle and how we do work as a company, but I do tons and tons of give back programs for startups and, the part of the reason for this podcast is I wanted to build almost like a Rolodex of business struggles, right? That a young business owner could start at episode one and, you know, go all the way to through to where we are today and go, my gosh, that's 50 some arrows I don't have to take today, right? <laughs> and so in that vein, what's a business struggle that you've went through that you could go back and tell your younger self, this is going to happen and here's how you're going to fix it. <laughs> well, I would love to go back to my younger self, even before business. Yeah, sure. I think we all would. <laughs> and I would tell myself that planning is worthwhile, but plans don't last. Mm. I spent a number of years as a project manager and I would put so much effort into these grandiose plans and literally minutes after the plan was approved, the plan was wrong. And I remember before going into project management, how frustrated I would get when I would I'd put a plan together, this was my course, and it wouldn't work out the way that I wanted to. In fact, I can give you a quick example. When I was in college, the, the guidance counselor that I went to see actually told me I didn't have to take a class that I needed to take, and it set me back an entire year. And I was very angry about this for a very long time. 
But I think if I had known that the process of planning is worthwhile, but the plan itself has to change, it has to evolve because you don't know what you don't know. I think that could have saved me a lot of stress and a lot of regret. And I would have been mentally prepared to be flexible. The more I know, the better I can plan. Yeah. And and in business, I always, I always say there's a lot of things that you should do just in time. Mm-hmm. Right. Instead of, well, I got to put a big business plan together. I got to do all these things. I'm launching this new product and doing all this stuff. And then I, I run it out to its absolute perfection, right? And then the market says, we don't want it. Yeah. And now you have spent, hell, some people spend years doing this, right? So it's like, Plan to scale, not to fail, right? And a lot of that is doing things just in time, right? And um, I, I know I tell our clients that all the time when they come up with these grandiose ideas and it's like, okay, put the brakes on trigger. <laughs> let, let, let's maybe do some of that just in time. How about that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, from a project management perspective, we we could even call it rolling wave planning. Yeah. You plan this much because you know enough to be able to plan, and the rest of it's a little fuzzy. <laughs> and when so, you get there, you make that plan. <laughs> yeah. Well, hey, sometimes fuzzy's not a bad thing. Exactly. Well, that's for sure. Well, fuzzy was he was a bear. <laughs> <laughs> That was a really bad joke. Um, (laughs) That's only because I have a three and five-year-old that that popped in my mind. (laughs) I just know he doesn't have any hair. Yeah, that's true. (laughs) (laughs) That was the Badoom Ching part, I guess. (laughs) So, well, great. That's a, that's a good piece of advice for sure. Um, Well, I always like to ask this question kind of in closing things. Um, It's a bit thought provoking. Um, I've had every answer from Gandhi to Jesus to my kids to, you know, uh, Steve Jobs to Warren Buffett, you name it. Um, But if you could have picked somebody uh, that could have came on the call with us today, dead or alive, mentor, friend, whatever the case may be, that you could ask that one burning question to. What would the question be and who would, have, who would have you chosen to be here today? This is might be one you haven't heard before. Um, admiral Rickover. Okay. He was the admiral that actually launched the nuclear development program for the nuclear submarine back in the, the late 40s and early 50s. And the question I would ask him is, what would he do differently? Uh, he undertook an incredible feat trying to take what was technology known for a weapon and turn it into a source of power in a way that would really guide a whole fleet for many, many years. And I would love to know what he learned along the way and and what he would do differently now with that knowledge. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good one. It's a, and that's a deep answer too, right? (laughs) (laughs) I'm sure he learned a lot. (laughs) I'm sure he did too. 
you know, it's like a lot of people will say like Steve Jobs, right? And I always, you know, Steve Jobs was, was, he was, he was a genius, right? But I don't think he was a genius from the space of, of the guy that did it, right? I think he like woke up one morning and put his headphones on with his, with his uh, Walkman radio and popped his tape in and went, I'm tired of this. And he went to work and he said, I want you to put all of this stuff into this little machine that can save like 800 (laughs) songs. Now go in that room and don't come out until you figure it out. (laughs) That's how I think that went. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure that's how it went with Rick over too. I I want to put this in a summary to make it go. Let me know when you figure it out. Uh, that's right. I'm going to put 20 of you people that are smart into a room and you're not going to get fed until you come out with an answer. <laughs> in Milwaukee, Idaho, until you figure it all out. That's hilarious, for sure. Uh, well, well, hey, Heidi, how do people get a hold of you to tap into this genius that you have? Because uh, I've I've learned a lot here today. So. <laughs> uh, you can reach me through our Science Two Number Two Wellbeing website, um, and my email address is Heidi at Science Two Wellbeing dot com. You're more than welcome to reach out to me either through the website or through my email address. I'd love to to chat more about values and and business and and all the things. Yeah, awesome. Well, Heidi, thank you for taking the time to be here. Um, we all have obviously are very busy. You got probably 20, 30 irons in your own fire. So I appreciate you taking the time to spend all, although a few minutes, a few minutes with me today. No, thank you for having me. This was wonderful. All right. Well, hey, thank you for joining today's War Room Moments. Remember, dream it, believe it, and then go achieve it. And don't make excuses, make progress. This is Jason Miller, your podcast host, signing off. Thanks for listening to War Room Moments with your host, Jason Miller. Please leave your feedback and visit strategicadvisorboard.com to get the latest and greatest business advisement on the planet. Follow us on social media for updates, and we'll see you on the next episode.